You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. Welcome to The Hiring Line. I'm your host, Scott Sheeran. Very excited today to welcome Ryan Johns to the show. Ryan and I have crossed paths many years ago with the crew military. So working very passionately to help veterans has always been a passionate cause of his and mine as well. And has carved out, Ryan has carved out a path for himself, you know, straight from the Air Force all the way into independence and entrepreneurship. And it's been a beautiful journey. So very excited to welcome to the show and can't wait to hear more about his story. So Ryan, welcome to the show, man. Happy to be here. Glad to reconnect with you again, man. It's been too long, so thanks for having me. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. I know when Ryan and I, we connected some years back, our paths crossed, and, and we're both proud military vets, and we both spent some time trying to do our best to to do our best for our brothers and sisters in the, in the military and trying to help them transition out. And I know a lot of your work has been focused on that in the past. A lot of mine has too. And I know that a lot of times we're not solely focused on that. And I know one of the the startups that I'm pushing right now is not solely focused on the veteran space, but I still have that company that is. And uh, so Ryan, I'd love to catch up with you, man. Welcome. Yeah, man. A lot has gone on. (laughs) A whole lot's going on since the last time we talked. And so, yeah, man, I'm still operating World Bridge Military Partners, Mm -hmm. which as you know, is not necessarily focused on veterans. It will benefit veterans for sure, because we're actually just expanding right now. We're going to be starting a trucking division, which is kind of probably sounds a little bit strange. But the reason we're doing that is because in Atlanta, one Georgia, where I live, when that county, it's like Northeast Economic Development Project going on right now called the Rowan Project, right? And so a lot of construction, you know, a lot of construction, road work, things like that. This is a 60-year economic development plan. They're talking about research center bringing 80,000 jobs to this area just in this county, which I think is the largest county in Georgia right now. And so World Bridge is deciding to partner with Gwinnett County on that development effort, right? And so we're just, we're really going to just be hauling debris, right? Dump trucking, things like that. So we're not a pool of talent and we're looking for dispatchers. We're looking for CDL drivers with their class B certification to drive for us next year to help in that that economic development plan. So that's one exciting thing that's going on with World Bridge specifically. And then we're still just focused on building building community, man. Building community right. of active duty. That was the primary World Bridge was, you know, just helping our active duty military position themselves for success years before they decide to exit the military, right? Right. And so we enable them with tools and resources around, you know, economics, financial literacy, health and wellness, skills development, things like that. So career mapping, like really, really early on, just taking a very proactive approach. So still working on that, but that's just a long long tail strategy. And then on the other side, I just joined a company by the name of Central Metric, centralmetric.tech, as their head of corporate strategy, considering an executive role there with them. And so we're in the tech space on that side, really working okay. with companies in the VC space, so venture capital companies and their portfolio organizations on creating better capital efficiency, better sales efficiency, things like that. Because I mean, you know, my passion is sales, sales operations, sales enablement. Right. So that's what we're doing on the central metric front. So going to be doing some hiring there as well. So 
got our hands on a couple of different things, man. No doubt. No doubt. And that's so you were recruited into that central metric opportunity. When, when did that happen? Well, kind of, sort of. Really, I met these guys. So, you know, I had my own consulting practice, RK Johns Consulting, for a number of years now. I worked with my partners, Kevin and Sebastian, years ago, back in 2018, when we worked for Scale Consulting. So that's when we met. And so we just maintained the friendship. They started their own venture. I started mine. But we realized we're solving a lot of the same problems, and we mm-hmm. just figured, hey, we're stronger together. And so we're joining forces, and we're actually in the process now of developing a brand new technology. It's a line today. We just thought it made sense, man. We thought the time was now. The timing was right now. So we're going through the patentability process and all that, all the legal due diligence. But it's really exciting time. So, yeah, being exposed to those guys at that juncture in my career mm-hmm. was was. Tremendous, man. Tremendous. I mean, that level, I would just say even the level, just the level of exposure overall while I was consulting for that was like nothing I've ever experienced. Probably the most, one of the most next to the military, next to joining the military, that's probably the next in line as far as valuable experiences and exposures I've had throughout my entire career, for sure. Awesome. Now, when did you join the military? So take me back to, you know, little Ryan. When did when did you join the military? Yeah, it li- literally little Ryan. Yeah, no, well, to hey, me, me too, man. When I, I joined in 94. Trust me, I was I was a little Scott, you know. So. Yeah. I, so I was two years behind you, two years behind you. Ninety six. Okay. July okay. of 96 is when I joined the Air Force. I served my entire tour at Laughlin Air Force Base in Del Rio, Texas. I was air crew life support. And it was a really good experience. I won't say it was a great experience for me considering where I came from. You know, I don't know if you remember me being from a small town, Danville, Virginia, right? You're not exposed to a whole lot of different culture, right? You're not exposed to just different environments, right? Everything looks the same. Everybody kind of thinks the same, right? And so joining the military kind of pulled me out of that place and exposed me to a whole new world and, and just getting an opportunity to eat and work with people all over the globe and then work with even, you know, the pilots that were international students, learning to work with them and, and coach them and, and meet their needs. Like that was, it was huge, man. It was huge. I think that's where I started working. The problem solving and critical thinking muscle was there. Right. Right. Honestly, I mean, no matter where you grow up, I think all of us kind of fall victim to that, you know? I mean, unless you're like a military brat or, you know, somebody who is has these parents that get a new job every couple of years and they're moving all around the world or whatever. But I think most kids, I grew up in the suburbs of Cincinnati and, and the exact same thing as you. I mean, it, it wasn't a bad environment. It was a fine environment. But to your point, everybody thought the same and, you know, you're basically exposed to the same thing. I was in the same house from two and a half years old until I graduated high school. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, that was my little bubble. Yeah. And I think we all experienced that. And just like you join the Marine Corps and, you know, your, your mind is just open to all these different people and all these different experiences and the entire, well, not the entire world. It's still a bit of a bubble in, in the grand scheme of things, but it's so much larger. I remember, you know, coming back from my 10 year high school reunion and uh, well, 
I always make that joke. I, I'm like any old Marine. I, I'm, I'm like a standard Marine. I've got an ex-wife. You know what I'm saying? So to my ten, yeah, I know, I know, you know, I've got an ex-wife and I used to smoke cigarettes. Haven't in a long time, you know, but, but no, so much to my 10 year reunion, I, I brought my, my first wife and everybody was like, Oh, who, who, I don't remember her from, from high school. Cause all the kids from high school married each other, you know? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Wow. And I'm like, well, I didn't meet wow. her in high school, you know, actually yeah. she met somewhere else. She's not from Cincinnati. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, that so is I'm, awesome, man. I'm right with you, man. The exact same thing happened to me, and I was all over the place, man. So, how many years did you serve? Four years. Okay, four years. So, so ninety six to two thousand. Yep, gotcha, gotcha. So, and then what? What happened? Did you you come out to start going to to school right away, or the Nielsen ratings, the Nielsen Media Research? Okay, okay. So you said okay. something about Nielsen. Yeah. So you're familiar with the Nielsen ratings, yep. right? So yep. yeah, I came out and, and started. I was a field tech for a Nielsen Media Research. Nice. So that was interesting. Learned a little bit and working independently and in inventory. I really enjoyed it. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And like you, man, I mean, you know, and so many of us, you and I have talked about that transition process too. And, and you know, so many of us are completely in the dark. You know, we don't, we don't have this grand plan and yeah. Man, I, I've done just about everything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I've sold cars, you know. Yeah, I, me I, too. That was so I forgot to mention that's so funny. Right after the military, selling cars. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, isn't it funny, though, too, that that industry seems to kind of latch on because they know that these guys, these young guys transitioning out, that they're going to be, they're going to be fearless. They're not going to have any fear of going out into the lot mm-hmm. and, and approaching. That's right. Somebody that, that looks like you or that looks like me, you know what I mean? Like, hey, can I help you? Can I answer some questions? Do you want to drive this car? And they're right. Yeah. That that stuff yeah. doesn't wouldn't scare, you know, the, the folks like us coming out of the military. Like, we'll go talk to anybody. We're not we're not scared. Yeah. yeah. I wish I wish more companies had that mentality, man, of just understanding the transferable skills that we bring to the table because it seems like a lot of companies still struggle with that. And you're talking decades later. Look how long we've been out, man. And we're still <laughs> we're still having a hard time connecting the dots. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think you and I have talked about this before. I think companies should pivot a bit away from the experience alignment. Like what is your experience and background to this role versus what is your behavioral tendency towards having success in this role? Right. right. Because a lot of companies yeah. don't they don't assess talent in that way. They assess talent based on, again, skills, experience, and education. But right. there's another layer to it that's behavioral, um, that if you understand you know, human psychology, that's a big driving force into the motivation and, and the performance of how a person executes their job day to day. Oh, it and is. I, I just wish other companies would become a little more sophisticated in that vein. What I have found, you know, even having risen, you know, through sales and all the way up to being, you know, the the head of talent acquisition for a large Fortune 500 manufacturing company, that one of the most critical aspects as to retention and performance and production is always engagement. Whether or not somebody is engaged, it almost, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter what skills or experience you brought to the role. I mean, because it does matter. And I'm not going to say it doesn't matter what degree you have. I mean, it, it does matter, but especially in some specialized, you know, fields, you know, for sure. But at the end of the day, like if somebody is engaged and they're interested and they're paying attention and they're learning, they're the ones that are going to be retained over the long period of time. And they're the ones that are going to be ultimately productive. So to your point, yes. if you if you can find those that secret as to what makes somebody engaged, 
whether yeah. it's an industry that they love or a product that that company makes. And you know, my own my own experience when I started at Sara Lee, I didn't really think much of it. You know, when, when Sara Lee recruited me in, but I will say, like within my first six months, my trips every week to the grocery store changed they, mentally, psychologically, because I'm seeing yeah. the products on the shelf, and I'm like, yeah. hey. That's us. And I'm not on the line. I'm not physically making the products. You know, I was the head yeah. of recruiting. But still, yeah. though, you're part of that mission and it creates that connectivity. I admit I experienced that. So, well, tell me yeah. a little bit too. And, and how did you manage this, this journey into independence and entrepreneurship and creating your own, your own vision? Because, of course, nobody's going to be more engaged in anything other than their own vision. So yeah. entrepreneurship is amazing for those of us that can figure out how to, how to get there. Yeah, and it's definitely figuring out. And it's it was it was very difficult. I think after twenty something years, I feel like I'm just now kind of figuring it out. Right. It was not a linear, you know, path to progression or anything like that. It was a Same. lot of trial and error, man. A lot Same. of trial and error. I think I found, you know, I've worked with a number of sales organizations and, you know, an individual contributor capacity, leadership capacity. I've always found myself in sales or sales operations in some form or fashion. It's just finding out what I really enjoyed about it. Mm -hmm. And for me, I like the complexity of certain types of sales. I like solving complex problems that nobody else can figure out, right? I like delivering unique value. And that's a big part of sales, man. It's like I always tell people, sales is an exchange of value, right? That's right. And, you know, there's nuances to it, right? But, you know, I just always enjoyed that, the complex problem-solving piece of it. And I've done it for so long. So I've worked with companies like Pitney Bowes, Sage Software. It was Neopost at the time. Now it's Quant. So, yeah, I've worked for some large sales organizations and I saw some good. I saw some bad. I saw some mm-hmm. good leadership. I saw some not-so-good leadership. And so all of those experiences and all of that exposure, I think, is what shaped me into who I am today. And so that's why I'm so grateful for for those dynamic experiences. And I and that's why I said, you know, working for a consulting firm, you know, years ago was where I probably got the most the most exposure to different types of businesses, different personas, different challenges, things of that nature. But it's always been it's always been kind of sales, sales enablement, sales operation. And that's just been the passion, man. It's just a matter of, okay, I think I had a natural gift in that area, but I always like every year, I'm like, what can I add to my skill set? How can I improve? How can I become better? How can I evolve? How can I innovate? I think that's a natural innate ability, but you know, the experience, like you can't, I wouldn't trade anything. I wouldn't change anything. Even the bad experiences were, were very, very beneficial, but man, it's been 20 years. But I think to your point earlier, if I had a plan (laughs) <laughs> it would have made it. You know what I mean? Yep. Maybe yep. I'd be here, maybe not. Or maybe I would have gotten here faster without, you know, with fewer bumps and bruises and scrapes. But I think that's where things fall apart, man. It's like we've got mm-hmm. this precious resource and this precious asset of time in the present moment, and we waste it. True, true. Waste and it. I mean, and I, I, mean, I just wasted a lot of time. So, yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know that you did, though. I mean, because to your point, even the horrible experience that I've had, and I've had my share, everybody has, every single one of us has. And I, I published an article not too long ago titled, I'm, I'm grateful for my suffering. And a lot of it was centered on my my cancer battle, you know, but a lot yeah. of it wasn't about the cancer battle. A lot of it is larger than that. And it's like, yeah. it's that suffering that 
not only teaches us, but it's that suffering that propels us forward, that drives us forward, and it gives us direction and meaning for life. It's almost as if, you know, suffering is a necessary precondition for life exists to exist. You know, and I I hate saying that because yeah. I'm, I'm not wishing suffering on anybody. I'm really I'm, I'm not. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah. you have to understand its necessary value. And you brought up that point about planning. So many of us, especially you know, being a parent. You know, and you, you've got your kids and you're trying to teach your kids and you want them to to create a plan and have goals and set standards, you know. But at the same time, it's so damn hard to plan your career. Yeah. Because you really don't understand what you're planning for. It's you know what I'm saying? How can you construct a plan when you don't really know what it is that you're planning for? You think you know, because you and I, we both remember being 17, man. And we think we know. If we yeah, think for sure. But, man, we we don't. You know, and this this life is so yeah. profound, and it's yeah. you, don't, you don't grasp that at seventeen. So uh, I'm right with you, man. I mean, it's it's just been all errors and all learning, and you try to improve iteratively. And and I'm also right with you too. I think you and I see things very similarly in that I like long sales cycles. Yeah, I, I like yeah. building relationships. I'm not big yeah. into let's just make a whole bunch of transactions as fast as possible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like to build relationships, solve complex problems, and and create lifelong connections and bonds with other human beings that result in the the provision of value both on in both directions. So exactly, exactly. Because this journey, man, it's 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 so unpredictable. It's like why not enrich it as much as possible? And I always, you know, I try to live by man, I want growth happens. I think growth mm-hmm. for a lot of people just happens, but development takes effort. Right. So I always focus on development. Development takes effort. Development takes pressure. Development takes that pain that you were talking about. And I think there's a difference. So I tell anyone like my kids, anyone that I mentor, young military folks like, hey, focus on development and expose yourself to as much as possible. Because like you said, a 17 year old, they don't know what they don't know. But the more they're exposed to I think it just has this way of opening up possibility, right? right? And so it gives them a broader vision into what could I be? I might not know what I want to be yet, and that's okay. But I got five or 10 or 15 visions of what I could be because I've exposed myself to more. And so that's why I try to tell people like, man, expose yourself to as much new experience, new people, new information as possible be aware. Don't get comfortable, right? Don't get comfortable right. in your little bubble like you, we lived in you in Cincinnati and me in Virginia, right? Don't get comfortable in that bubble. Expand as That's much right. as possible. See what's That's out right. there. And I think that just has a way of triggering vision for us all. That's a beautiful way to articulate it too, because the more often you tell a 17-year-old, for example, that they don't know or they don't understand what it is they're planning for, the more mad they get. Yeah. So you can't tell them. You have to just let them, just like you and I did. You just got to let them figure it out, you know? Figure uh, it out. Figure it out. Yeah. Write your own book, your own journey. And, you know, yeah, that's that's the thing, man. You don't want to create an unnecessary wall or barrier because you're, you know, coming across too negative. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like right now, I, I, it's been a while since you and I chatted. So believe it or not, our oldest is about to graduate college. One week, a week and a half, a week and a half. Wow. Wow. And we're going down there to Florida to attend her commencement. And I guess I am officially now old. <laughs> That's I'm an old man. Oh, how you look at it, man. It's I, I don't old feel old. Compared man. to what? You know, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Compared to what, Scott? You 
know? I, no. Look, I feel great. and uh, Cancer didn't matter. Nothing. I feel great, man. It's totally fine. But I'm just saying, it's still surreal, though, because you're like, wait a minute. One of my kids is has graduated college? Like, yeah. I still see yeah. her as a kindergartner. And uh, yeah. I hope if she hears us, I hope it doesn't make her mad. But, you know, that's, when I see her, I, that's who I still see in my brain, you know, and it's just like, that's just my baby. Yeah. But anyway, the, the point, the reason I bring that up is she chose nursing, trying to make a plan, you know, and, uh, and now here she is about to graduate with her nursing degree, which so proud of her. She's done an amazing job, but she's like, dad, I think I hate nursing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, you know. Well, Hey, you wouldn't have known that unless well, you had gone through the curriculum. <laughs> I know. I'd like Now that. you know what you don't want to do. Exactly. I'm like, it's okay. Don't panic. There's a million yeah. things you can still do. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I have a finance degree. I don't work in finance. You know? Yeah. It, it doesn't yeah. matter. And who knows? She's going to give it a shot. And who knows? Maybe after a year or so, she's got that burden of, you know, finals and working in the hospital, working third shifts. And she's probably yeah. burned out. But do you think she has a gift for like people? Is that kind of her lane? Is she passionate about? people in any way. I mean, and nursing just seemed like, oh, well, let's try this. I, I want to help people right. try nursing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, she is, she's gifted in many ways, super, super intelligent and motivated and what's the right conscientious. She's, she's a hard worker. I always thought she had a bent toward like fashion and fashion design, you know, and, okay. uh, but she chose nursing. And of course, as a parent, you know what I mean? You're, you're not going to like combat with your children too much. It's like, Hey, if that's your choice, then Go yeah, for it. I support you. Yeah, but we'll see, man. Maybe she'll find. Maybe you know what? As you and I are just sitting here coming, making this stuff up as we go. Maybe she'll invent a new line of fashionable. What do they call the the nursing? There's a word. All oh, the it. scrubs, yeah, scrubs, the, man. The yeah, scrubs yeah, yeah. They wear. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those could. Yep, absolutely. See? You I'm never gonna... know. It's just how do you apply the gift? I think if she, you know, has a passion for people in one way or the other, like there's a million ways to apply that you know what i'm saying sure, you just gotta find sure. it yeah. well hey no let me let me go back to you man because we can look like i said you know me <laughs> i just like making friends we just sit and chat forever dude but yeah you and i met when i was with recruit military for a short stint. recruit military yep yeah, yeah yeah so now now how did you kind of part ways you know from from dealing with them and is that what kind of led you into that military world bridge or it was actually, and I don't know if you remember, way back when we worked for Recruit Military, the idea of World Bridge, the concept was actually birthed through Recruit Military, going to the career fairs and events and things like that, and really believing in what we were doing, man. But I said, I think there's still a smarter way. I think there's a way to go further, what I would call upstream or starting earlier in the military person's tenure. Because I thought what we were doing was valuable. I just felt like we need, needed to plug in much earlier. So instead right. of like six months prior to a person discharging, let's connect with them six months post-enlistment, right? Like when they get to their first duty station. Or even like we even do some high school outreach, man. We work with ROTC. We work with folks thinking about going into the military and mapping a plan for them. I think the earlier you start, the better. Yeah, I just think people can optimize their time in if they go in with, you know, a more clear objective, right? right. So right. that's that's when the idea came up, man. I didn't know how I was going to pull it together. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I had no idea. I just remember way back, man, what was it, 2012, 2013? It was years ago. Sounds right. I just wrote it down. I remember putting it, or actually I put it in my old computer, my old PC, and it just sat there. 
I knew it was the name World Bridge came to me. Everything was there, but it's like, how do I bring this to fruition? And so it was years later after, again, different types of exposure, different experiences, understanding how technology works and, and infrastructure and things like that and services. Then it started to like come together like, oh, this is what we could build. This is what we could create. Right. And it's going to take years, man. I mean, there's there's so much, you know, opportunity, I would say. I mean, this will be something I'll do the rest of my life for sure. For sure. Well, there's always a need for that service. That service is always yeah. valuable across generations. And there's always a new youth that always have a different, the optics are always different. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this, this generation, the optics are a little bit different. Well, they're a lot different, in my opinion, than our oh, generation. Totally. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, you know, fast forward 20 years from now, again, the optics are going to be changed and and our kids are going to be parents and they're going to be like, this is weird, you know? And here's, I don't know why this hit me, but our son, our youngest, he's 10 and he watches a lot of these YouTube videos that are just like people playing games that he plays like Roblox and stuff like that, you know? And, uh, and I'm sitting here listening to his content, like as I'm eating breakfast and he's got these videos playing off on the right. And these people are just like hysterically screaming while they're playing their games, you know, to me, I'm just, it's super annoying to me, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And then it hit me. I'm like, you know, I, I told my wife, I was like, I bet you that these videos sound to me the exact same way that rock and roll and punk rock sounded to my parents. You know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, man. We're in the same boat now. <laughs> exactly. So we are our parents. <laughs> I know it's weird. It's really weird. Yeah. So now how has COVID impacted you and, and all of the, the stuff with, with World Bridge and everything else you've got going on? Not too much or? Not too much. No, because I've been, I guess, working remote or virtual, you know, for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Even when I was in field sales and the expectation was for you to get face to face with your customers and go visit them and go see them. I was always working behind the computer screen. I'm like, no, there's a smarter way. Like, I don't need to drive a hundred miles to go see a customer that's only going to buy a product for me that costs maybe $3,000, $5,000. You know what I mean? It's like, to right. me, it's not worth it. All that windshield time driving, it's a, it's a waste. So I'm like, there's got to be a more efficient way. So no, I've been working like this for over a decade. So COVID didn't, didn't change anything necessarily outside of I guess there being fewer corporate opportunities and it pushed me to do my own thing because I felt like that's what I could trust versus going to work for some other entity and not really knowing what's going on behind the scenes from a financial perspective and all that stuff. And then, you know, you get the news, oh, we're downsizing, right? Or your role is redundant or whatever, right? So you see that type of stuff. But the way I work and the way my team works, we haven't, we haven't missed a beat at all. Perfect. Yeah. And that, you know, and that, that pushed me myself to entrepreneurship as well, because I mean, I got recruited into an enormous company, Sarah Lee, everybody's heard of them, you know, and I ended up, you know, rising through the, through the ranks there from a talent acquisition recruiting standpoint. And honestly, even though I always knew in the back of my mind that I really wanted to be an entrepreneur and start my own things, but there was that part of me that was like, I'll probably just work here for 30 years. You know, because because it was so comfortable, the salary is so nice, the benefits are so nice that, you know, the, the company's large. But then all of a sudden, you know, all those different products start to get divested to various companies. And then Sara Lee goes out of business. And even in a large company like that, you, you're, yeah. you're not truly secure. You know, I mean, yeah. it's 
never. Yeah. It's an illusion of security. It, it is. It is. Right. And I think there's always trade offs in that, man. Like I'm not I would never say everyone should be an entrepreneur, but I would say everybody should have a side hustle or, or another way to generate income where they can pivot really quickly if need be. You know, because seasons change, man. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. COVID was yeah, it was it was something we've never seen before. But I think it was also a good thing. It was a blessing in it as well, because it showed us as a society and as an economy, we can work differently. We can. Well, and we are. So even yeah. from that, the so side we're wasting a ton of money. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, in, in my and there's no real good way to track this, but but I have this intuition that, I mean, side hustles have just exploded. All across totally. the economy, yeah. Because you know, you, you you'll hear like the White House come out with and be like, "Oh, you know, unemployment is the lowest it's ever been," and I'm like, "That's totally irrelevant." You know? Yeah. And then at the yeah. same time, the Fed will publish data that that demonstrates that the labor force participation rate is like exceedingly lower than it's than it's been in decades. So that means that according to them, as far as they can track, there are less people engaged in the labor force than there ever has been in the, in the last like yeah. 30 or 40 years. And so then you start yeah. thinking, well, how can, how can there be fewer people technically working that the fed can track? And then at the same time, fewer people than ever applying for unemployment. And in my opinion, it's side hustles. People are finding different ways to get by and they're finding yeah. ways to do it on their own terms and within yeah. aspects that they're comfortable with. Yep. What, I mean, what do you think? You think that's, that's a good observation or? One hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, because I think the value systems and value metrics of of people in business has changed so much over the last decade. There are just multiple ways to deliver value. Right. And again, that's what I say. Sales is is an exchange of value. And so, man, there's just so many ways to sell something, whether it's a service, whether it's a course or, you know, something on Amazon, whatever. Like I'm getting hit up all the time with new business opportunities, man. Mm-hmm. And there's an excitement to it, but there's also a fear as well. Because when you start getting into like, you know, your web three, your metaverse and things like that, I just think it's a fine line. We just got to be careful that we don't lose our humanity, right? Because there's, there is a, a component of that that I think is happening, man, and coaching dozens of teams on the sales side and leadership side, it's baffling to me how many people struggle with just having a human interaction when it comes to sales and when it comes to dialogue, right? Everybody wants to hide behind a bot or everybody wants to hide behind an automation or everybody wants to hide behind their product demonstration and not actually build value. There's a process to building value and that requires dialogue. That requires an exchange of right. meaning between two people. And folks are so scared, man. It's like they don't know how. I talk with a lot of like very junior SDR BDRs and they want you to give them every single step. What do I say here? What do I say there? What do I say here? It's like, have you forgotten how to be human? Have you forgotten how to have a conversation? Or did well, they that's ever the learn? scary part. Well, that's the other thing. Yeah, yeah. I think there that so that's a good point. I think there is a group that had just doesn't have the foundational skills, man. Mm-hmm. And that's what drives me. And that's the passion that me and my team have. It's like, hey, let's get back to some of the basics. Let's not forget about this. It can still be tech enabled, but you got to have the foundational people skills for any of it to work right. effectively, right? right? We always focus on optimization. So how do we 
optimally deliver whatever we're trying to deliver, right? And I think it's a balance of people and tech, but we've just over-indexed and become over-reliant on the tech, which is kind of scary in some ways. You know, I'm just having this thought right now, and I think that maybe maybe you're hitting at why the popularity of podcasts have accelerated, you know, beyond nobody could have ever really predicted that and people right. would want to sit around and just listen to to people having fireside chats. You know what I'm saying? But I think you're you're tapping into something there because maybe, well, number one, there's really not much that's more profound than logos and having the dialogos as two two logos is coming together and colliding to create something. You're literally witnessing something being created from nothing. You know, yeah. so it's those yeah. ideas colliding and, and giving birth to new ideas. And I think to your point, you're, we're now dealing with a generation of kids that have grown up online. All of their interactions, not all, but vast majority of their interactions have been hidden behind firewalls and hidden behind text communications. And so maybe that's why it's so interesting to listen to all these podcasts, because it's exposure to something that they've never really at large been exposed to. And so, yeah. you know, you have now the ability to give access for people to have to witness these, you know, intimate discussions between two individuals, yeah. whereas before yeah. you and I got that. I, I was born to a long line of salespeople. I was going to be a salesperson from birth, man. My brother, my father, my grandfather, you know what I mean? It's it's yeah. it's in the genes. And I'm so I'm 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 blessed and I'm thankful for that. But but also because of that growing up, that's all I ever heard was BS all the time from everybody. You know what I mean? <laughs> nobody ever nobody ever shut up all around yeah. me. And so so obviously I'm this way. But now yeah. you don't get that. Everybody's just buried in their phones, you know, buried in their tech. Yeah. And even my son, who you could say, well, he's got those genes that I have. And he does. He's great at making friends. But at the same time, it's not the same atmosphere here in our house as it was in the house that I grew up in. It's it's different. Yeah. You know, yeah, for, for, sure. for a lot of different reasons. Absolutely. Not as busy. You know what I mean? There yeah. were always people in my house, family, yeah. cousins, yeah. you know? Yeah. And now there's, it's quiet here, except for the dogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they bring life. Yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> I try to practice as much as possible. And I try to do this with my kids is just embracing the human experience. I mean, because again, this journey yeah. called life is short and unpredictable. And if we can't enjoy each other, you know what I mean? If we can't enjoy and serve one another and interact and, you know, like, what are we doing this for? What is this right. journey about? Right? right. And I just think that, you know, we just have to stay focused on, you know, who am I as a person? Am I becoming better? What am I becoming? Like, that's the thing that I've just been focused on for years now. It's like, always be becoming something better. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like I teach my kids that's like, hey, it's not about perfection. It's about becoming. As that's long right. as you always become or becoming something for your the rest of your life, life will never get boring. That's true. If you focus that's on true. becoming. Right. So I just think it's something that we just don't value enough. You know, the diversity and uniqueness that we all bring to the table. But I enjoy it. I enjoy conversations like that. This is life for me. Oh, same, same. And, and, yeah. and of course, being in the world of recruiting still to this day after all these years, and I still I hear that a lot from especially younger folks where they're like, you know, I don't just want to take a job somewhere and, and toil away. I want to do something that has meaning and has significance to me. And it's like, look, I get that. But I think what we're forgetting as a species and, and for a lot of the reasons that we just talked about is that you'll never find anything more meaningful 
than the relationships that you build in life. And you'll never have deeper relationships in your life, period, than your own family. And if you can go somewhere, even if it's in some manufacturing plant and toil away for eight hours a day or 10 hours a day in God-awful conditions, but you provide, you have the ability to provide for the, for those you care most about your own family, that is meaning. You know? Absolutely. Totally yes. has meaning. Yeah. Right. I think people right. have that, that mixed up. It's like, man, meaning and purpose like this, this, this infinite thing. Like, it's like, no, it's it, let's simplify it. Like that does have meaning. Like you can do both. You can work your job while finding yourself, discovering yourself, whatever. It's all about perspective, man. It's how do you see where you are? Right. Right. It's that creates our reality. Right. And so it's if you work in a factory or wherever you work, maximize where you are at that moment, because it's not going to last forever. Just like the military. Like, that's why I tell people, like, I don't care if you do 20 years, 30 years or whatever. You're not going to be in the military forever. It will not last forever. Right. So maximize that time, maximize that opportunity, you know, see it through a lens of optimism Mm -hmm. and, and keep growing. Every year. Agreed. A hundred percent agree. And it's, and yeah. you're right. Nothing, nothing is going to last forever. I mean, hell, the average lifespan of a fortune 500 company, I think is just shy of 30 years. That's not a full yep. career. So even if you're, you right. know, I'm with Google <laughs> or I'm with Microsoft or I'm yeah I, I, for, I now. You, for now, well, that's just it. 30 years from now, trust me, it's going to be some other player in the field that is taken yeah. over for various reasons. That's just the way it's going to go. Absolutely. So to your point, look for opportunities to maximize, to learn, to develop, not just grow. Yeah. And to develop. Yeah. Because it's a season, man. It's a mm-hmm. season. Like it's just, you know, there's this book, man, very popular book. It says to everything, there is a season. You know That's what I'm right. saying? Every right. stage of life, there is a season and it will not last forever. Right. So yeah, man, I, I find peace in that. I do too. And and you find peace in that even in the the challenging seasons, because you have yeah. to remind yourself that even in the most challenging seasons, they are also not going yeah. to last forever. And if you do it right, and if you you focus on what, take it for what it is, then you're going to come out of that season as a different and yep. improved human yeah. being. You know, 1000%, man. Cause you're like, whatever you're good at now, it's like, it won't matter in three to five years, probably. You know, I've got, <laughs> I got friends that, you know, they were in career fields for decades, man, and, and the market shifted mm-hmm. and they just they can't do that anymore. And it's like you thought this was going to last forever. Is that what you <laughs> thought? Like there's there's no way. And so that's what we just constantly try to keep people motivated towards, man. It's like don't get stagnant. Don't get too comfortable. Continue to build, continue to explore, continue to be curious, right? Continue to research. What else is going on in other sectors of business or other regions of the world, like be curious. I think that's one of the most undervalued attributes that we have, man, is curiosity. Right. Agreed. We get comfortable and we, and we stop being curious. Like Agreed. we don't care anymore. That makes me, that makes me wonder, you come back to that, that old quote, you know, that, that fear is the mind killer and it is man. A fear is a dangerous thing. And, and fear is co-opted by forces and used for their their benefit. And so fear is a dangerous thing, but I wonder what's more dangerous to the human experience, fear or comfort. Mm, You know, that's a really good one, man. Oh man. (laughs) You said that. And I'm like, yeah, I wonder, but because both are destructive. Yeah. Yeah, Both cause you to become immobile or have the 
potential to cause you to become immobile and stagnant like still water. So that is really, really interesting. I think they're both equally as dangerous, man. I agree. I agree. Anything that causes you to come to a standstill, I think, is a very dangerous thing. I was just teaching my every Sunday, my family and I, we have like our Bible study and things like that. We do. And fear was actually the topic this week. That's the, you know, I have it on my whiteboard and everything. And yeah, we really talked about that. And that's a good question, man. That's a really good question. You know how we could actually turn fear into a productive asset is if we teach people, teach people to become fearful of comfort. You know? I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. That sounds like a book title. <laughs> we should co-author it, man. We'll put some, Maybe, put some yeah, work into it. Sounds that. like some content, man. Come on, man. But there's truth like there, it. though. That that yeah. there's truth there. You know, fear of comfort. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, man, absolutely. Love it. So now you said I meant to ask you this when you when you brought it up the World Bridge and that contract with Gwinnett. So are you now? going to have to go out and basically acquire a fleet of vehicles and all this equipment. I mean, that, that seems that like a, we're doing. that's an enormous investment. Well, we're not going to acquire a fleet initially, you know, we maybe start with two. <laughs> well, okay. All right. Fair <laughs> we'll, enough. we'll build, you know, we'll build up to a fleet eventually, I think. But right now what we're probably going to end up doing because there's so many companies out there is we'll probably do some subcontractor work. Like if they don't have, the resource or they need some extra trucks, we'll lean in there. Right. But okay. again, it's a, it's a part of the long tail strategy, man. But yeah, we'll, we'll start out with a couple of trucks, see how that goes for a year or two. And then we'll, we'll allow the market to determine if it's time to grow or scale. We won't, we're not, you know, we're ambitious, but we're not going to be overly ambitious. Right. right. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. You could probably lean on some third-party service providers too, if like Gwinnett or anybody else. If the if the volume of work just got so large, I'm sure that you could, you know, people would happily split that revenue with you. You know, absolutely, absolutely. I think, I think that's yeah, I think that's what's going to happen too, man. And the good thing about Georgia, I mean, you can drive pretty much year round because we don't get really yeah. really bad weather. Like we yeah. don't get a lot of snow and things like that. So that's. That's advantageous for us. But even, you know, from you mentioned the capital expenditure perspective, the reason that or one of the things that I'm doing right now, the reason I'm still consulting and doing the work with Central Metric, like this is all going to fuel World Bridge as well. Right. So it's like building the tech infrastructure where this goes. We don't know just yet, but I, but I we're, we're creating a revenue engine right now on the tech side that will absolutely fuel world bridge and what we're going to be doing in the next few years so we got a five-year plan so okay see how it works okay. out well what kind of without giving up you know any secret sauce or anything like that but what what kind of tech solutions or products are you building yeah so the one we're working on right now and it's okay like i said we're doing ip due diligence and at the moment it is a tool for so so there are a lot of tech tools out there for like generating top of funnel, right? Leads, opportunities, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. automation, all the outreach. There's nothing or very few tools in the market that actually drive pipeline conversion. Meaning, what tool is there out there that can help to automatically identify opportunity costs? Let's say you sell a tool and that tool's purpose is to improve process efficiency within my organization. Well, how do you quantify process, right? The cost of process, good or bad process, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to do 
basically what I call quantitative value mapping, quantitative process mapping. So it'll be able to identify opportunity cost within a broken process. So automatic process mapping, deal risk analysis, some other components there too, but it's designed for middle of the funnel. Deals and sales right now, if you look at the majority of companies out there, sales velocity is very low, meaning it doesn't move through the funnel very quickly, right? And there's probably a large majority of deals that are just stuck in the pipeline, just stuck in the funnel, and they're not going anywhere. It's because the the rep themselves didn't understand how to quantify the value, quantify the value of or quantify the absence of value and quantify the value of the solution that I'm selling you, right? So what does it cost you today to do nothing, right? You've heard that. We probably sure, use that sure. in in our discovery conversations, right? But, you know, there there's a way to get to the answer of that question without necessarily asking it that way. But that's what we're trying to uncover is what does it cost you to do business the way you're doing it today versus how we're proposing it? And we're going to have all these really cool visualizations that that map all this stuff out for you automatically, does all the calculations, the ROI, and it'll spit out a beautiful visual and presentation that'll help sales reps. It'll give sales reps more leverage to drive the pace of the, the deal versus, well, I got to wait to hear back. I got to wait to hear back from procurement. I got to wait to hear back from this one. You know what I mean? It's always the waiting game in sales. Right. It's going to give the sales reps leverage and influence to drive action. Okay. I like it. I Using like it. the customer's data. So if you have you ever read the book Mastering the Complex Sale by Jeff Tool? No. Talks about the 4D process. 4D process is discover, diagnose, design, deliver, right? And so this framework, this tool is built off of that premise. It helps you build a quantified business case so that you can you know, speak the value language of that customer, if that makes sense. Right, 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 right. It does. It does. There's, so, there's nothing like that out there. I don't even know if you, I don't think you and I chatted about it, at least not recently. But the whole reason that I was, I was coerced, I use that word playfully, into starting this podcast was, was essentially to use this podcast as a marketing tool for our startup. And, and our startup is a recruitment advertising platform and employer branding marketplace. So basically, AI enabled. So a fancy way of saying, you know, kind of a next generation of indeed, you know, or mm. career builder. I was more so okay. more so indeed. And I wonder, would there be a reasonable application of the type of technology that you're developing? Because look, the job seeking process really is it's the same as a sales process, right? Mm -hmm. So selecting the right opportunity and getting to the right the right position, putting people in the right roles where they're most ideally engaged, you know, and would you be able to apply a tool like that if I had, say, you know, 10,000 candidates, all that are providing information about their, you know, current state and current desires and current preferences? Could you take a funnel like that and use your technology to match them with the right opportunities that we have in our system? Possibly, possibly, okay. and, and maybe a third iteration. So it's funny you brought this up. So I, I this is like phase one of a four phase development, okay. right? So what what I've been seeing is that the companies that we work with are focused on capital efficiency and sales efficiency. They have the two strongest correlates to profitability for an organization. So if an organization is looking to increase profit margins, reduce operating costs, 
also customer acquisition, improve your sales efficiency, right? Sales efficiency, capital efficiency, it's all about, right, eliminating or reducing waste. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm saying this to say the four pillars of creating capital and sales efficiency are this, sales process optimization, sales tech optimization, and sales talent optimization. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth one is is compensation, sales compensation. So there are four main pillars that drive that metric, that that central metric, right? Talent being one of them. So that's why I say it may be the third iteration. Talent is definitely on the roadmap, better aligning talent with the right opportunity to optimize that resource, that talent resource. Right. It is right. part of it. Okay. It's not right now, but eventually yeah, yeah. it is coming. Yeah. It's, it's part of the whole puzzle. It's part of the, what I call the four pillars. Perfect. Yeah. So yeah. it's we're at that point now where we've put a lot of effort into our backend, our proprietary data acquisition tools. We're at a point now yeah. where we have a, a mountain of data. And when I say data, I'm, you, I'm basically talking about job postings. You know? yep. We got yep. millions and millions of job postings. So now we just, we're just you, working on that user experience and that user interface and, and how are we going to allow users to job seekers to interact with the data and to play with the site. And then once we have all the jobs and once we start attracting all the, the fresh job seekers and candidates, then obviously we'll start engaging clients and stuff. like that. You know who you should look at? I'm going to tell you who's actually further along this path than us. And it just came to mind. One of our partners, I don't know if you saw on our website, FranNet. FranNet. Yep. F-R-A-N-N-E-T. FranNet has a tool that I, it sounds similar to what you're doing, but it's focused on, it's called, it's called the entrepreneurial profile assessment, right? And, and so it, it tells you basically through an online assessment where you would best fit when it comes to entrepreneurial endeavors, the industry, mm-hmm. the type of role. FranNet works with like, I think, 200 different brands of, okay. of franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check that out, man. Go through, go through our website, and there, there's a link on there. You'll say it says take the assessment. Yeah, check that assessment out. Tell me what you think, because I think that what, how they design that tool or design that that assessment is along the lines of what you're thinking. Okay. It, you can just apply it in a different a different way, but I right. think they have right. a really strong algorithm on how to align talent with the right opportunity. That's awesome. I'm, I'll definitely check that out this afternoon. Yeah, the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial profile. Yeah, if you go into yeah, you go to World Bridge, you go to wbmilitarypartners.com and go to the guided services and go to the entrepreneurial bridge. That's okay. that's where you want to go. That's where it's found. Perfect. Perfect. All right, man. That's awesome. I will definitely check that out. That sounds interesting. I had a chat yesterday with Elon Musk's new AI bot. That's uh, that's making the rounds. Everybody's talking about the last couple of days. Oh yeah, I haven't heard about it. What is like what is this about? Chat chat. It's like open open AI or something like that. I can't remember. It's still somewhere in my browser, but it's like Chat GPT okay. or something. You can register to become a beta tester and chat with what is okay. being touted as the world's most advanced AI chat bot so far. And I had a quick conversation with it, and I was just asking it how it would match. You know what I mean? Job seekers with the right opportunities, and of course, it was like, oh yeah. Was. And then I tried to recruit it. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, can that you come so work funny. for us? You know, that is um, so funny. That is so, so funny. But it's like, oh, I can't work with third party. You know, but it was a, it was an interesting interaction because we want to have an aspect of chat and chatbot capability with our tool. But although the more I've talked to AI engineers, 
the more they keep coming back to me like, well, what you're describing isn't technically AI. And I'm like, okay, fine. I don't care. But if the user interprets it as AI, you know, right. then it's right. AI. But It's all about perception. Yeah, exactly. your perception is exactly. your reality. Like, <laughs> I don't really, yeah. I'll be honest with you, man. I don't really want a, a rogue AI chatbot engaging with my community of job seekers. I really don't want that because I... Yeah. You've seen those chatbots, you can kind of get them down really weird and destructive trains of dialogue. You know yes. I mean? yes. And it's yes. like, I I don't want that. I want controlled. Here's what the, the conversation is going to be like. We're not going to, yeah. you know, yeah. do anything crazy with my, with my robot, you know? Right. So, right. Yeah. And then we'll get yeah. sued. You know what I mean? It's like this company's chatbot said this, you know, and it's like, Oh, oh Yeah. Oh yeah, the legal risk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I really don't, don't want it to be like that. No, yeah. but there's a lot of there's a lot of cool stuff out there, man. So it is. It's a lot of cool stuff out there for sure. But I told you, I try to wrap these up. We could just keep chatting forever, man. It'll be fine with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. But I don't want to. You know, you kind of got to end it somewhere. You know? It's all good, um, man. Anything else you want to? Oh hell yeah, part two or whatever you want to do, man. I'm, Absolutely. I'm down for it. Dude, you're welcome to the show anytime, anytime. Thank man. you so much. Um, anything you. else you wanted to hit on before we before we wrap it up? No, man. I think that was a very productive vlog, man. And just you know, hopefully the audience keys in on the the, the main points that that we articulated around again development. Development is key. Be curious, right? I mean, those yep. are just. Super, super important and start early, right? If I had any message, especially for our military brothers and sisters, man, start early. Be fearful of complacency. <laughs> maybe, see, man, maybe I got another of the production team. They're like, you need to stop titling your shows with the guest's name. And yeah. That's in a, so now I have to start coming up with titles to the shows because yes. you know, people aren't, because that helps with SEO and stuff like that, because people are searching for topics, not individual yes. names and stuff like that. So I'm like, yes. okay. So maybe yeah. I'll use that as the title to our show, man. You know, that could be a good one, man. Be that afraid be of comfort or something, something like something. Be afraid, yeah, <laughs> afraid the fear of comfort. Absolutely, man. And yeah, we probably, man, we could do a, a part two because there is a another framework that I'm teaching called the four quadrants of time optimization, and that's something that I talk to military members about, like how you should be spending your time yeah. throughout the yeah. day to get the most out of each and every day. Yeah, right. Create balance. There's balance there, right? But yeah, man, just being productive, because I just find when you're productive, you have less time and energy to focus on nonsense that, that really That's doesn't right. matter. You That's know? right. So. And honestly, I guess I can only speak to myself, of course, but after a truly productive day, to me, like at the end of the day, like you feel better. Yeah, you feel better. Feel better. You sleep better. Like everything. Yeah. Everything's yeah. better, right? Yeah, 100%. Focus Agreed. on productivity, man, not just being busy. A hundred percent. Absolutely. So, well, that's perfect. We'll end the the show right there. And again, thank you so much for coming on. I look forward to part two and we'll get that scheduled soon. Absolutely. Let's, let's get through the holidays. I know we've got a lot of stuff going on and traveling for yeah. graduations, but maybe yeah, yeah. January, early February, we'll, we'll, we'll get you back on. Sounds like a plan. Well, you enjoy the holidays, safe travels. God bless you and the family, man. And we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Ryan. All right, man. Take care. This has been a Mission Matters Network production. Listen to this show and browse our entire catalog by visiting missionmatters.com.